0: Our scripture reading for this morning is 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body... Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot were to say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear were to say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? Excuse me. Uh, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Good morning, everyone. As you might imagine, this is a Sunday that I've been excited about for quite some time. Uh, And I have been just praying for all of you and for us for many months. So I'm very grateful that I get to be here. Um, Let's go ahead and open in prayer together. Gracious God, thank you for drawing us into your presence and into your body. Thank you for the privilege of knowing one another of worshiping together, of being in this space where we can put away the cares of our week and simply come before you. I pray that as we hear your word this morning, you would open our hearts to receive whatever it is that you have for us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, for those of you who don't know me, I am Bree McGill, as Pastor Chris said. Uh, My husband, Matt, and I have been members of this church for many years now. Uh, And some of you probably know many of our other family members who are running around here and actively involved in the congregation. Um, In the past, I have worked here and I have preached here, and I have built so many wonderful relationships with folks in this congregation. So to come back and to be with you all here this morning, It feels a little bit like coming home. And that feeling is a huge blessing, this idea that we get to be this for each other, this home, that we're meant to be this for each other. And we don't always get it right because we're human and we're flawed, but at our best, the church gets to be this place where people are seen and welcomed and loved and where God's grace is just poured out among us and we find a place to belong. As we just heard in our text this morning, Paul understands this better than most. In his letters, he uses a lot of different images to describe what the church is supposed to look like. In some cases, he says we're like the family or the household of God, where each one of us is an adopted son and daughter. Or in other places, he talks about us like a temple being built together to the Lord with Christ as our cornerstone. But here in 1 Corinthians, he gives us the image of a body. We as the church are the body of Christ. For just as the body is one and has many members and all members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. So now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We are many members of one body. This is one of my favorite images of the church, because there's something almost mystical about it, right? This idea that we are in Christ as one body connected by the Holy Spirit. It can be a little bit difficult to wrap our heads around, and yet the image of a body is also so real and so tangible. Because we all understand what it's like to be in a body, right? We know what it's like to breathe and to walk and to eat and to have all the different members or parts of our body working together at the same time. They were created to work perfectly together according to God's design. Well, this is how it's meant to be with the church. Many members of one body according to God's perfect design every person belonging and working alongside one another so that the whole body functions as it should. And this is actually one of the things that I love about Mauno as a congregation because we seem in many ways to do this very well. Uh, In fact, we saw it just last week with VBS. I know many of you stood as we saw all of the volunteers who participated. It was incredible watching each people in their unique roles. We had our station leaders and we had our cooks and our folks checking people in at the door and running tech and so many of our youth helping out as crew leaders. Every set of hands was pitching in to make this happen. And through all of it, we got to glorify God and we got to teach these kids about how awesome He is many members of one body it is an absolutely beautiful thing but it's also one of the challenging images that we find of the church because it's it's almost paradoxical in a sense it holds up one thing is true and another thing is true when they seem to contradict each other in this image we have the diversity of the body of christ many members on one hand and we have the unity in the church in one body and the other. This is harder than it actually sounds, (laughs) especially in this day and age when there is a lot both inside and outside of the church that presents a challenge to our ability to function and to operate in this way as Paul describes. We live in a time and in a culture where diversity seems to be celebrated more than ever and that is a wonderful thing (laughs) and yet many of us still have a really difficult time associating ourselves with people we disagree with, or people that are different from us. In one study out of Stanford, researchers posed a question about identity, and they found that participants were most likely to self-identify based on their political affiliation, even more so than their race or their ethnicity or their faith. And this is challenging for the church because especially in recent years, this divide is starting to pull at the threads of our congregations. People are now asking whether churches are conservative or liberal, and we're choosing who to worship with based on that. We prefer to share our pews with folks who are of like mind, especially on those social and political issues. It's becoming more and more difficult for us to exist in purple churches and still feel like we belong together. We're trying to hold that space for unity within the larger body of Christ. And on the other hand, in some congregations, there can be a pressure to conform or to minimize our diversity, to go along, to get along, as they say, not just politically, but theologically and socially as well. We might feel like we have to present the best version of ourselves when we walk into a church or we have to fit a certain socioeconomic status or we have to have the right understanding of our faith in order to belong. These are the kinds of things that we're up against. Being the church in unity and in diversity is hard. And in Paul's time, the Corinthians were struggling with these same types of tensions. They were starting to get caught up in arguments over which leaders to follow. They were factionalizing as some followed Paul and some followed Apollos and some followed Peter, thinking that they had the right idea of what it meant to be a Christian. They were also elevating themselves based on social status so that some were made to feel as though they belonged and some were being excluded. And they were comparing themselves within the congregation based on their spiritual gifts assuming that some were more valuable than others. So when Paul writes to them, he starts out his letter by saying, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and same purpose. And then here in chapter 12, he invites them to see themselves as the body of Christ. One body, with many members, all working together according to God's design. Now, this, this image of a body was probably familiar to them because there were many teachers in the Greco-Roman world who used this body politic to describe how a society functions together with everyone playing their part. But the difference was that the Roman leaders used this image of the body to justify a power dynamic with some people being higher status than others. Whereas Paul uses it to the opposite effect. He calls the church to see the value of its members equally, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, across social and political lines, because all have been baptized by one spirit. Professor David Garland once wrote, what may polarize the world does not or should not divide the church. And I think Paul would agree. This image, though, as Paul describes it, of one body with many members requires a bit more explaining, though, so Paul continues on. First, he writes, indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. Or if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. So Paul calls attention here first to the diversity of the body. The many members of the church are not all the same, and that is intentional. We are not meant to look or think or act exactly like one another. The church is supposed to be made up of people who teach Sunday school and people who make sandwiches for our homeless neighbors. It's made up of small group leaders and Stephen ministers. It's made up of greeters at the door and folks in the kitchen. It's pastors and organizers and caregivers and prayer warriors and everyone else The church is made to do a whole host of things, to operate as the kingdom of God in the world for the community, and none of us could accomplish that on our own. We often, I think, find it easy to want others to be a certain way, and that way is like us, which is an idolatry of the self, right? It's pride. If we can see the flaws in someone else, but we haven't recognized their gifts, then we're not looking for the body of Christ. We're looking for everyone to be a hand like us. But thankfully, the makeup of the church is not up to us. In his book, Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes, God does not will that I should fashion the other person according to the image that seems good to me, that is, in my image. (laughs) Rather, in his very freedom from me, God made this person in his image. I can never know beforehand how God's image should appear in others. That image always manifests a completely new and unique form that comes solely from God's sovereign and free creation. Each one of us, in our own way, created to bear the image of God. And according to Paul, that uniqueness is intentional and part of God's arrangement so that the body has everything that it needs in order to function. We have different backgrounds and different ages and genders and ethnicities and languages and spiritual gifts and that is on purpose. I sometimes struggle with this kind of inferiority complex that Paul talks about in this passage where I assume that it would be better for me to be a hand or an eye or something that I see in someone else. I think if I could just preach like that (laughs) or if I could only care for this person or for others as well as this person does, you know, it's tempting to think that I could be a better Christian or a better pastor if I just look like somebody else. But what that mindset fails to recognize is that I have my own unique relationship with God and my own set of gifts and experiences to bring to the table. And so do each of you. God has made you exactly as you are, as a reflection of His image, so that you can bring perspectives and ideas and ways of serving that no one else can. And we need that. He's made the people to your right and to your left, everyone else in this room, unique in their own ways. They're not supposed to be you, and you're not supposed to be them. And even though we may not agree with one another on everything, That's how it's supposed to be, because we learn and we grow as we serve alongside one another and we help shape each other into disciples of Christ. Unity does not require uniformity. Our diversity is part of the body. This is where we belong as followers of Christ. But our unity as a body is also paramount. So Paul continues by saying, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. Here, Paul seems to be touching on the issue of superiority as an obstacle to our unity. It's not our place, he says, to assume that we have the more important role or skill or opinion than anyone else. The Corinthians were beginning to think that those who spoke in tongues had a more valuable gift than the rest, or that their personal opinions or their understanding was right based on which teacher they were following. But Paul warns them against looking down on each other. In fact, he implies that they are supposed to give greater honor to those that they saw as lesser than, or the people that they thought were an embarrassment to the body. I imagine many of us can think of people like that. Who makes you uncomfortable? Who do you wish people wouldn't think about when they thought about Christians? Who do you prefer not to be associated with? These are tough questions, but it's good for us to be aware of them because at the end of the day, Christ has only one body. (laughs) And if we're in it, we're stuck together, whether we like it or not. (laughs) For better or for worse, we all belong. We all have a unique place in the body and it takes all of us together to participate and to function. And we know based on our own bodies how this works, right? Paul writes, if one member suffers, all suffer with it, and if one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. (laughs) Matt and I have uh, been training for the San Francisco Marathon these last few months, and this is not the first marathon that we've run, but it has by far been the hardest training season. We have been trying to get out and run four times a week, and we're trying to pair it with our strength training, with our stretching, and it has been so hot outside uh, that the last three Saturdays, we have woken up at three in the morning to try to beat the heat before it gets to 80 degrees. And on top of all of that, we did our longest training run last weekend, which was 22 miles, and at about mile 17, it all of a sudden felt like someone stabbed me in the bottom of the knee. (laughs) It was awful. And Matt and I stood for about 10 minutes at the corner of Foothill and 21st just wondering what we were gonna do. (laughs) And we ended up walking most of the last five miles all the way home. (laughs) So at this point, I have no idea if I'll make it through this marathon we've been training for, but what I do know in a very visceral way is that when the knee is not working, the body does not run. (laughs) It is one small part of the whole operation, but if it slows down, all of me slows down, right? I've been having to take good care of it and to ice it and to give myself time for walk breaks, and hopefully if all goes according to plan, then I get to finish the race and my body deserves a pizza. That's how all the parts of me will rejoice. but it's worth it to be reflective and to ask ourselves as a body, which members of our body are suffering? Whose voice or gift or skill are being left out? Maybe it's your own. We suffer together when any one of us suffers. We feel the pain in our whole body. And conversely, how do we honor and celebrate the times that we are functioning well together? Because that is important too, all of us rejoicing. All parts of the body are important. They all belong. That is what the body of Christ is meant to be, a witness to the world that all of us can be held together in unity even despite adversity, even in our diversity. And what makes this image even more beautiful for me is that in this unity and diversity, many members acting in one body, this is not only how we are called to exist together as the body of Christ, it's also the essence of God. God has revealed himself to be one being in three persons, unity and diversity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is the ultimate embodiment of this. So it's no surprise that his church is going to reflect that same thing. Notice how each member of the Trinity is present in this image of Paul's. As Christ's body, we are brought together by the power of the Holy Spirit according to the design of God the Father. The church is a reflection of God in the world. And somehow, in this mystical way, we are part of that relationship with God and with one another, and we belong together in all of our uniqueness. We reflect the image and the glory of God to the world, and we are the body of Christ. There are no solitary Christians, only uniquely created Christians, held together as one by a loving God. Let's pray. Gracious God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for who you are and for the outpouring of your love that you share with us. Thank you for creating us individually and together in your image and for inviting us to participate in your body. May we as your church seek to honor one another's uniqueness and learn to love each other and to serve in your kingdom together as many members of one body. Help us by your Holy Spirit to be a beacon of love and unity in this world, knowing that even in our differences, you are the only thing with the power to draw us together. May all of this be to your glory, God. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.